The door is open and it's closing, closing. They're not coming. I mean, it's freezing. <laughs> it's closing in their face. Yeah. Or get Kadamakana Swami sick. <laughs> Whatever you want. Oh, uh-huh. 
Krishna, Hante Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. of devotion and um, if you open up the room doors you could fit a few more people uh, depends which rooms are ready mine is not ready for more people hmm? I don't want more people in my room <laughs> no, I didn't mean your room, those rooms. But yeah, if Sankirtan Priya's room is ready for that, I'm not sure. Is, is he there? Is the lock on the door? Well, you decide if you want your room to, to, to go public. <laughs> the Philistines move in. Right. <laughs> 
I think people are. It's it's kind of cozy, cozy in this weather. There's no heater like your neighbor. <laughs> so reading from um, the Nectar of Devotion, chapter 21, Qualities of Sri Krishna. Very nice. Personal features can be divided into two. One feature is covered and the other feature is manifested. When Krishna is covered by different kinds of dress, his personal feature is covered. There's an example of his covered personal feature in Srimad Bhagavatam in connection with his Dwarki Lila, his residence in Dwarka as his king. Sometimes Lord Krishna began to play by dressing himself like a woman. Seeing this form, Uddhava said, how wonderful it is that this woman is attracting my ecstatic love exactly as Lord Krishna does. I think she must be Krishna, covered by the dress of a woman. It's another level. Uh, one devotee praised the bodily feature of Krishna. When he saw the Lord in his manifested personal feature, he exclaimed, how wonderful is the personal feature of Lord Krishna. How his neck is just like a conch shell. His eyes are so beautiful as though they themselves were encountering the beauty of a lotus flower. His body is just like the tamal tree, very blackish. His head is protected with a canopy of hair. There are the marks of Shivatsa on his chest and he is holding his concha. By such beautiful bodily feature, the enemy of the demon Madhu has appeared so pleasing that he can bestow upon me transcendental bliss simply by my seeing his transcendental qualities. Sila Rupa Goswami, after consulting various scriptures, has enumerated the transcendental quality of Krishna as follows beautiful features of the entire body, two marked with all auspicious characteristics, three extremely pleasing, four effulgent, five strong, six ever youthful, seven wonderful linguist, eight truthful, nine talks pleasingly, ten fluent, eleven highly learned, twelve highly intelligent, thirteen a genius, 14. Artistic. 15. Extremely clever. 16. Expert. 17. Grateful. 18. Firmly determined. 19. An expert judge of time and circumstance. 20. Sees and speaks on the authorities of Vedas or scriptures. 21. Pure. 22. Self-controlled. 23. Steadfast. 24. Forbearing. And 25, forgiving. 26, grave. 27, self-satisfied. 28, possessing equilibrium. 29, magnanimous. 30, religious. 31, heroic. 32, compassionate. 33, respectful. 34, gentle. 35, liberal. 36, shy. 37, the protector of surrendered souls. 38, happy. The well-wisher. 39, the well-wisher of devotees. 40, controlled by love. 41, all auspicious, most powerful. Sorry, 42, most powerful. 43, all famous. 44, popular. 45, partial to devotees. 
46, very attractive to all women. 47, all worshipable. 48, all opulent. 49, all honorable. 50, the supreme controller. The Supreme Personality of Godhead has all these 50 transcendental qualities in fullness as deep as the ocean. In other, in other words, the extent of his qualities is inconceivable. As parts and parcels of the Supreme Lord, the individual living entities can also possess all these qualities in minute quantities, provided they become pure devotees of the Lord. In other words, all of the above transcendental qualities can be present in the devotees in minute quantity, whereas the qualities in fullness are always present in the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Besides these, there are other transcendental qualities which are described by Lord Shiva to Parvati in the Padma Purana and in the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam in connection with the conversation between the deity of the earth and the king of religion, Yamaraj. It is said therein, persons who are desirous of becoming great personalities must be decorated with the following qualities, truthfulness, cleanliness, mercy, perseverance, renunciation, peacefulness, simplicity, control of the senses, equilibrium of the mind, austerities, equality, forbearance, placidity, learning, knowledge, detachment, opulence, chivalry, influence, strength, memory, independence, tactfulness, luster, patience, kind-heartedness, ingenuity, gentility, mannerliness, determination, perfection in all knowledge, proper execution, possessing, possession of all objects of enjoyment, gravity, steadiness, faithfulness, fame, respectfulness, and lack of false egotism. Persons who are desiring to become great souls cannot be without any of the above qualities, so we can know for certain that these qualities are found in Lord Krishna, the Supreme Soul. Besides all of the above-mentioned 50 qualities, Lord Krishna possesses five more, which are sometimes partially manifested in the persons of Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva. These transcendental qualities are as follows. 51, changeless. 52, all cognizant. 53, ever fresh. 54, satsidananda. Possessing an eternal blissful body and 55, possessing all mystic perfection. Krishna also possesses five other qualities which are manifested in the body of Narayan. And they're listed as follows. 56, he has inconceivable potency. 57, uncountable universes generate from his body. 58, he's the original source of all incarnations. 59, he's the giver of salvation to the enemies whom he kills. He is the attractor of liberated souls. All these transcendental qualities are manifest wonderfully in the personal feature of Lord Krishna. Besides these 60 transcendental qualities, Krishna has four more, which are not manifest even in the Narayan form of Godhead. Want to speak of the demigods or living entities. These are as follows. 61, he's the performer of wonderful varieties of pastimes, especially his childhood pastimes. 62, he's surrounded by devotees endowed with wonderful love of Godhead. 63, he can attract all living entities, all 
over the universe by playing on his flute. 64. He has a wonderful excellence of beauty which cannot be rivaled anywhere in the creation. Adding to this list of 64 uh, exceptional qualities of, of Krishna, it is to be understood that the aggregate number of qualities Krishna of Krishna is 64. Sila Rupa Goswami has attempted to give evidence from various scriptures about all 64 qualities present in the person of the Supreme Lord. And then uh, there are descriptions of these qualities in more detail also. And uh, it, it, it's, it's a very nice, important chapter because it really makes us understand how Krishna is a person, you know. It's easy to say Krishna is a person, but a person has qualities, right? He has characteristics. And by seeing these personal features of Krishna, we can actually see that he is an amazing person. I mean, we may not remember the total list that I just rattled off, but I'm sure that some of, of these qualities sort of uh, remained in your mind. Uh, there were many that, and some I remember. One I remembered was liberal, made me feel good. <laughs> it's like, but, <laughs> but also magnanimous, also grave. But many compassionate qualities, forgiving, magnanimous. Uh, of course, he can also chastise a few demons here and there. In this way, Krishna has all his uh, wonderful qualities, but even as a chastiser, Krishna is, is um, in, in Bhagavatam there's a description about the, the mood of the conqueror who puts the boot on the, on the neck of the, of the person he has just thrown on the ground and defeated. So, you're finished. The punishment of the conqueror. And then the, pun the, the punishment of the father for his son who's gone astray. Uh, there's love. He, he doesn't like it, you know, that he has to do this, but he's going to do it because, you know, he's got to somehow or other get his son back on track. So Krishna is, that element of, of kindness, of love and compassion is always there because it is Krishna's desire to reclaim uh, all the conditioned souls from this material world. And, Krishna knows everything, therefore Krishna is not uh, shocked when he sees uh, all the material contamination and all the sinful desires in the hearts of the conditioned souls. And Krishna looks upon them with compassion. You became trapped in this most unfortunate network of of desires, of actions and reactions, and one leading to the next. And now, please, come out. 
because Krishna wants to restore uh, all living beings to devotional service. Uh, therefore, he is the most kind and compassionate personality. And then, uh, so that was our introduction. Then we are moving on to question and answers. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> and uh, I hope you already uh, thought about it. Any questions? This is the chance. I see a hand, but not a face, but it doesn't matter. Sure. Sure. I think a mic is on the way, Kishore. It looks like he's working on it seriously. Ready, ready. Is it okay? Uh, my question is. Just, just speak as loud as you can, which is pretty loud. <laughs> My question is, if we don't have any recollection of meeting Krishna within our memory, so how do we develop the mood of separation? <laughs> Who should answer the question? There's, <clears throat> there's separation before meeting. Hmm? What is that, Purvarag? The, just like group mini, she's feeling, um, you know, where's Krishna? This Shishupal is going to walk off with me, so where's Krishna? So she's feeling the absence of Krishna, although she hasn't yet met Krishna. And she's eagerly desiring for Krishna to to come. Hmm? So that's that's there. Uh, where, yeah, Shunyayatam Jagatsarvam, Krishna is absent. That feeling. Then it also seems that we hear about Krishna, and then it creates expectations, it creates, uh, and, and, and we get attached to these ideas, we, we develops a desire in us, which also would maybe increase separation. And there's a relationship. Um, it's not like a person that we want to get together with that we've never had anything to do with. But even like a son who's never met his father, there's a there can be a I have to meet my father, I have to meet my father. Because the relationship's already there, even though it's never been uh, experienced.
And there's also a negative, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know, I'm, the experience of being in the wrong place, this is not, is it, this is not the right place. My place is with Krishna. Is that okay? We're up for another one. Oh, there's an, a hand over on that side. Yeah. Hare Krishna. Uh, if the soul and um, Paramatma are both in the heart, how how can we make a, a notion of this? Or how does it work? And if you remove the heart from somebody, where the soul goes and where the... Where the Paramatma is, I, I'm, okay. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these questions come up sometimes in relation to heart transplants. <laughs> and then the person got a heart transplant and suddenly has a taste for cigars and he never, <laughs> he never ever in his life had a desire for cigars for cigars, but then it found out the previous owner of the heart was a staunch cigar smoker. <laughs> they, they tell you stories like that. <laughs> and that's all... Uh, uh, that, could, uh, that could be explained why, but uh, it's not that we're speaking about the, the biological, physical heart made of flesh and so on. We're speaking about the region of the heart. And um, just like in the material body, there is a heart, which is a very physical heart, but on the subtle um, platform, the region of the heart is also there. And it's there where the... Uh, the soul and the super soul reside. So even if you take out the gross heart made of flesh and so on, then uh, it doesn't mean that Krishna moves also now to the next owner. <laughs> I'll add something. Sukshmata Tadavigyam in the Bhagavad Gita. The soul and the super soul are described as sukshma, very fine, subtle. So, uh, like if you take a, a sieve and you put it in water and then you move it to another vessel, the water is not going to go with it because the sieve is, is um, the water is more fine than, than the sieve is. Or if you had little particles of something, you know, a sieve with bigger holes, it's not going to move. So the matter is gross, and the soul and the super soul are, are very fine. So when you move the gross matter, you don't move the super soul or the or the uh, the soul. Also, it's just the soul's achalam. Hmm? The super souls just got achalam druvam. Not that's a different thing, but achalam. He, he doesn't move. Not that you can move him materially. Okay, it's made it too much.
Can I? And uh, I have another question. Go for it. <laughs> and yeah, this this week I wanted to go on the on this uh, five five a.m. Harinam, and I posted this uh, message, and then some devotees said they want to come, and in the end nobody came, and everybody said it's too it's Japa time, it's too early to call to this to that to that, so many arguments, and then they say we we should maybe not go because we should do our Japa. And I want to hear your opinion, maybe Jade Paitaswami. <laughs> she, she wants yours, but I'll give her mine also. <laughs> she doesn't get rid of me so easy. <laughs> I think after you give your I opinion, try, I, I won't try. have anything more that I need to say. <laughs> no, no, please go ahead. Okay, let's. I, I don't think I got the full question. Okay, there. then I can uh, summarize it. There's a 5 a.m. hurry now. Uh, in the morning, and uh, it's a time when the Japa and all of that. And many devotees don't want to go because it's Japa, although they're invited. And then there are a few who think it's too cold and this and that, you know, which are all considerations, I guess. And uh, and and uh, and what is our opinion on this? Um, well. Yes, uh, 5 a.m. is Japa time for a lot of people. There's no doubt about it. It's, uh, it's certainly not uh, just uh, to be neglected. Um, our Japa is, uh, it is good if we chant our Japa in a regular way in the morning at, uh, at the same time to build up momentum. Um, if you chant your Japa a little bit here uh, one day at this time, other day at another time, uh, break it up in different ways, um, then uh, you don't build up that momentum in, in the sadhana, in the practice. So there's certainly uh, weight to the reasoning from, no, it's japa time, and this time we are just uh, going to dedicate to chanting. Um, there may be some who make it their service to have a five- A.M. Harinam, and that's also okay. It can be 24-hour Harinam. There's absolutely no objection to it. Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago, Gura Chandra Bode. Kotranita Jaima, Pisa Chirakole. Since we are both from the Netherlands, we have this festival, you know, in the Netherlands, <laughs> somewhere just in the early summer where... Uh, where, where the kids all get up at four o'clock and we just create all kinds of contraptions on our bicycles that make terrible noise. <laughs> and then we drive at four o'clock through the streets and things with tin cans, 30 tin cans on a string behind your bike <laughs> to wake everybody up, right? <laughs> I used to like it. <laughs> <laughs> you could also write with soap on people's windows. <laughs> Or put a pin in the doorbell so that it got stuck and wouldn't stop ringing. <laughs> so there was lots of fun on that day. Uh, so I was happy to hear that in the Hare Krishna movement, Lord Chaitanya also was doing this Jeev Jago, waking up people early in the morning while they were sleeping. <laughs> so I also have a liking for the early morning, uh, let's wake everybody up. Um, so I see both sides. So I think it's a voluntary thing. 
I think we are a movement, you know, and a movement is is going to uh, exist of a great variety of people with different interests. And and some will love to go on the 5 a.m. Harinam and others will hate to go on the 5 a.m. Harinam and say, I'm going to chant my japa and you can forget it. And then there's the third category, just say, it's freezing, I'm not going out. (laughs) 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 And I have sympathy for all, you know. so I think uh, to be part of a movement, uh, one has to accept the variety of people and the differences and the different tastes and, and that you have to, within the movement, find your like-minded people that you do your thing with. And if it's 5 a.m. Harinam, it's 5 a.m. Harinam. Of course, now the, the, the final thing is the manager in me. Uh, wakes up here and goes and asks the question. The former, te- the former temple president of, of Iskand Vrindavan asked the question, why on earth Harinam at 5 a.m. in the morning in the middle of the winter? As a manager, I say, whose idea is that? <laughs> I would, as a manager, I would say, doesn't make sense at all because there are no people on the street, right? Harinam should be in the middle of the day when the sun is out, right? And when the roads are packed or, you know, when there's lots of people, maximum exposure, I would say, when the temple is, uh, is having functions like darshans and the crowds are thronging, that's when I would organize the Harinam as a manager. But fortunately, I'm a retired manager. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so I don't have to ask that question anymore. I, I, I don't have to be the temple president anymore. Thank God. So this, I just delete it now. <laughs> this part. I'm not going to in any way. Uh, so you can forget about that. It's uh, because of the Vrindavan Parikrama. They do the 11 kilometers. Oh, they do the 11 kilometers around Vindavan. Five o'clock. Yeah. Every day at five o'clock. Whoa. Phew. There are a lot of cows always. What? A lot of cows always. A lot of cows. <laughs> There's also audience, eh? Yeah. Who was that? Was it Upendra who went chanting to the cows or something? Probably. Asked him, why are you chanting to the cows? <laughs> I think we should should think of Harinam uh, as, as a means to widely distribute the holy name. Uh, but it's nice, they go around Vindavan. Still I ask, why at 5 a.m.? <laughs> in the winter. That's what you do in the summer at 5 a.m. in the winter. I, I think that they're joining more people at 5 a.m. than during the day. Uh-huh. Okay. Then have a happy party, Grandma. <laughs> <It's hard laughs> yeah, but still. If, the, if more people join, yay. <laughs> but I won't join. <laughs> I'm with those other ones, you know, too cold, and I'm going to chant my japa. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Different folks, different strokes, Mantrini. We've got to live together with our different natures, different interests, and we're never going to be all on the same, uh, you know, on the same map, on the same focus. It's not going to be like that. But it was only a question. Yeah, yeah. Be- only if we should protect, <laughs> <laughs> if we should protect our japa or not, no. <laughs>
<laughs> with love, with love. You know, it's all good. Hare Krishna Gurudev. Um, I have two questions actually. The one from Mataji's question um, is so in instances when that happens, when you know uh, there is Japa and uh, Sankirtan coming at the same time, not not necessarily five a.m. Um, so is that okay to think that you know our acharyas always say we are more Bhajananandis, um, not Goschananandis? So from that perspective, I mean we are giving that um, Harinam out to everybody. So can we give that a preference um, in place of uh, sitting and doing our own japa? When it doesn't always happen, but when it happens, it sounds almost like the same question translated in in, in Indian English. <laughs> uh, I don't hear any difference. <laughs> Excuse me, but no, no. I'm saying time is not a fact. It's, huh? Uh, no, time is not the. It changed the time. Fact. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> made it a different question. <laughs> don't mind, don't mind, we are laughing. It is not meant in an evil way. You have a comment. Okay, okay no. I'll ask my second question. Then. No, I think there's... Yeah, I have a question. What's your second question? Um, so, Maharaj, um, one thing that uh, that stood out for me when uh, Gurudev was reading all the qualities was forbearance. Um, so, just wanted to, I mean, if you could please kindly elaborate on forbearance and any, any example from Bhagavatam that we can take away. Demons are running roughshod over the earth, and, and Krishna's they're claiming, This is mine, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. Now, I'll, I'll give you an example. The uh, this concerns Shesha Nag Anantadev. He's <clears throat> his at the end of the of the of the universe at the time of destruction, he issues flames from his mouth and destroys everything, and so on. And it's said in fifth canto, I believe, that when he sees that the sinful activities of the people and their reluctance to surrender, he wants to do it earlier. But he doesn't. That's forbearance. Thank you so much, Maharaj. <laughs> Very sweet. And another is Shishupal. He's insulting Krishna, insulting Krishna, insulting Krishna. Krishna sitting there taking. He says your mic is. <laughs> it's not so good. Okay. Yeah, yeah you watch the mic. <laughs> <laughs> More questions. Hare okay, Krishna. we have a question here. Oh. Sorry. We'll give it back to you. Hare Krishna. 
Um, it is said that um, the living entities are unable to do anything without the Lord's sanction, his permission. Um, how can we have so many materialistic inclinations and why does the material something how do we have so many materialistic inclinations um, which the Lord sanctions Um, Krishna gives us a certain amount of independence and as such we are uh, we're able to have a certain amount of control over the material energy. Um, But Krishna remains involved and um, ultimately without the sanction of the super soul, nothing, no action can take place. But it doesn't mean we are totally powerless. We have been given some powers. And the reason is because the living being wants to uh, come to the material world to experience this feeling of being the controller, to be the controller, to be the enjoyer. And Krishna facilitates that. Therefore, remembrance and forgetfulness come from me. Not just remembrance, but Krishna also helps us to forget and to sink into the material energy and to go deep into our materialistic things just to get it out of our system, so to speak. If you have a teenager son who's just turning 13 and a half, you can't just tell him uh, what to do. You have to sort of... uh, Use all your manipulative skills. So Krishna also indirectly is steering us back towards the spiritual world. It gives us some rope to try and enjoy in the material world. But he has put some sand in the sweet rice as well. Some, uh, some suffering, some and some element of frustration. Therefore, after some time, we come to our senses. Hi, Krishna. Gurmaj, my question is about, like, um, in this material world, we have a lot of ways of... <laughs> okay. Sorry, wait tomorrow. Uh, a lot of ways of showing affection to other living beings that one could consider is for our own sense gratification a lot of the time, like hugging and embracing and those kinds of things. Um, So my question is, if what's happening here is a perverted reflection of what's happening in the spiritual world, do those kinds of intimate exchanges only happen amongst like just like Krishna and the gopis, or are other devotees in the spiritual world also showing intimate exchanges of affection that's not self-centered, that's still Krishna-centered? Like, does that happen there? Why not? Okay. <laughs> the, first of all, the, the, these things here, they're sense gratification, but they're, um, they're legal. They're not Krishna 
Pratikul. They're not antagonistic to devotional service. Huh? They're not antagonistic to devotional service. And when they're among devotees, they're favorable for, for devotional service. Hmm? So these things may be there also in the spiritual world, coward boy. It's not that I'm only friends with Krishna, I'm not friends with you. <laughs> these, these friendships among the devotees give pleasure to Krishna. Hmm? You give pleasure to Krishna. So these it, it's there. But the one thing that's not there is is the mundane sex attraction. It's described in the third canto that in Vaikuntha the mm, devotees are on excursions in their flower airplanes. Uh, with their wives, and there's beautiful breeze, and there's uh, the scent of flowers, and there's music, and there's all, and there's no sex attraction, and the and the women are dazzling like lightning. They're like, as they say, drop dead gorgeous. They're just beautiful, and there's no sex attraction. So that intimacy is not there in the spiritual world. That uh, that's not there. Uh, intimacy, <laughs> intimacy is friendship, not sex attraction of the mundane, as we have here in the material world. Which is why it's vaikuntha. Otherwise, it would all be anxiety. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Um, in this world, we can distinguish one thing from another by how it's relative to something else or how it's different from something else or how it's separated from something else. For instance, uh, I can see the painting because there's a there's a wall behind it and it has a different color, different size, etc. Um, but Krishna, he is everything. So he is the wall, he is the painting, he is our soul, He's he has nothing to compare himself to. So how does he get a sense of himself? The last two words. I How does he get a sense of himself? Oh, okay, a sense of himself. <clears throat> everything is relative, as you say. You know, everything is in relation to something else. Uh, um, am I, am I tall? Am I short? In the Netherlands, I'm kind of short. In Bangladesh, I'm a giant. <laughs> well, you know, uh, so it's relative. It depends where I am. It's all in relation to. Um, but all these relationships here in the material energy, they are, they're temporary. And therefore, they're not really um, permanent designation. I'm neither tall nor short. It just changes. But it says in Bhagavatam, Riteritam yet pratiyete, pratiyete chatmani, tadvik yet atmayomadam, yetotamayetobasam. That the value of anything is the real value of anything is measured in its in its relationship with krishna the direct relationship with krishna is there where it's non-relative 
where the position of something becomes clear. And this is sometimes also described as Hari Sambandhavastu, as that particular form that exists in the relationship with the Lord, just like we. We can be so many things, you know, okay. you know, you're in a female body, so you can you can be a mother, or you can just you know go clubbing and enjoy. You can be, uh, we can get into sports. We can uh, you can uh, you can become a pilot. Yeah, and so many so many things we can do, and with all that, our position is. Um, our identities, our positions are changing. But all these identities are false. Sarvupadi vinir muktam. We have to free ourselves from all those false identities. Because you're, even if you become a pilot, you're not a pilot. Even if you become a, become a famous sports person, you're not that. Even when you're a mother, you're not a mother. But what are we? Krishna Nietzsche does. That's where the true identity comes out in our relationship with Krishna. So like this, we see how in Krishna's energies, there are all these, in the material world, all these temporary relative relationships. Um, But when it is with Krishna directly, then we get the true relationship within and the true value of any person, any object, and so on. So in this way, Krishna understands. He always understands, and in this way, the devotee understands. I see. Okay. Yeah, see, for us it's convenient to have these programs here. Because if I'm this hall, I have to run all the time to the bathroom, and sometimes I almost don't make it. (laughs) That's a problem. So that's why it's here. Uh, She has the mic already. Yeah. Thank you, Maharaj. I have a Did you turn it on also? Close microphone. Oh, close? Yes, no. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, Thank you. Mahash, I have questions we just read in the Nectar of Devotional and the purpose that the person who wants to be a great personality must be decorated uh, with following qualities. And the reason the list was one that um, position of all objects of enjoyment. So can you... (laughs) Yeah, there is was in the list. This quality. I just couldn't hear you. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> the person who wants to be a great personality. You hear me now? Yeah. Okay, thank you. So, in the nectar of devotional, there, there was purpose. I heard the beginning. I just didn't hear the last sentence. Yeah, this is from the beginning. That. <laughs> I heard the beginning. I know the beginning, yes. Okay, so... The last bit. That, does this also apply for the devotees, this quality? Yeah, yes. The qualities of Krishna 
It is said in the nectar devotion that all these qualities that are present in Krishna, they can also manifest in human beings to a degree, not as full as in Krishna, but 50 of Krishna's qualities can also manifest partially within human beings. And they, it is said, uh, Sarva Mahaguna Gan, Vaishnava Sarira, Krishna Gun, it is said that all the good qualities of Krishna manifest within the body of a devotee. So gradually, the devotee also gets these good qualities. And it's also understandable because the devotee is worshipping these qualities of Krishna. Right? If you worship someone's qualities... Uh, if you if you worship someone's honesty yeah, and you're totally into it and uh, you're really meditating on it, then honesty becomes very important for you. You'll also dedicate yourself to honesty. So it's quite understandable that the devotees dedicate themselves to the qualities that Krishna has and that these qualities begin to grow and develop in them. Yeah. <coughs> So in this way, yes, the devotees also become like that. Uh, can you explain me, please, that exactly about what this quality? Exactly what these qualities yes. are. Well, there's a big list over there. <laughs> I mean, I can take the book out again. But um, the qualities of Krishna are, as I said, I saw a lot of... Uh, a lot of compassion in there as I was going through that quality. I also saw that uh, there was a, a wonderful beauty. Uh, Krishna is in the spiritual world and he's eternally absorbed in love. Right. And the eternally liberated devotees are also absorbed in love. And they have a loving relationship with Krishna and also with each other. And the loving exchanges are, they, they're all relishing. Krishna is relishing, the devotees is relishing, and their love and ecstasy is growing. So this is the underlying principle. Everything is resting on that love. Then Krishna's qualities are beginning to manifest. And uh, yes, he has sweet qualities, but we also hear he also has qualities where he takes the form of uh, Lord Sankarsan, and then at the end of uh, of the, um, well, at certain times, there is the dissolution of the material world, and a big fire comes from his mouth, and uh, the whole universe burns up, up to uh, only in the, in the very high regions of the universe, in the jhana loka, above the heavenly planets, there it's okay. okay? They, they survived this. Uh, this uh, so the point is, Sometimes Krishna acts very strong also, very strong. He also comes like Kalki. And then there's no more questions than a big sword. And just, uh, uh, but behind it is all his loving, compassionate nature. His, his ultimate objective 
is to increase exchanges of of love, yeah. rasa. That's behind it all. Okay. Okay, thank you. So when we find ourselves in difficult situations, a lot of the times due to our anxiety and us being uncomfortable, we try to fix the situation and we try to do so many things. So my question is, how do we know when we should stop trying to handle the situation and just let Krishna do his thing? How do we know when we just, when it's time to just say, okay, I have to back off and let Krishna handle this? One way is when it's not working. <laughs> we saw that with Prabhupada, that he would try something, and if it didn't work, he'd say, you know, Krishna didn't desire. Sometimes he'd just push through, like Jew. But sometimes he'd have some plan, it wouldn't work. He said, all right, Krishna didn't desire. Um, so in that way, he would adjust. That's a big word, um, actually, um, in Indian culture, in, in Krishna conscious culture, adjust. We adjust. We don't just... <laughs> push our way through no matter what. Right. If Krishna has a different plan, we adjust. The when there's nothing you can do anyway, then why not leave it to Krishna and say, all right, let's see what, what Krishna wants. <laughs> Because I, I can't do anything. It's, it's, it's foolish. I'm just going to be obsessive and try to make something happen that I can't make happen. All right, let's see what Krishna, what Krishna wants. And apart from that, we should always be surrendered to Krishna. Even if I'm doing something, I know that I'm, I'm doing my, my duty. But the result is up to Krishna. And that's the other thing. Is it my duty? Uh, if it's my duty, then... I do it. If it's not my duty, then it's not my business. It's Krishna's business or someone else's business, but it's not my business. Uh, better to let someone else do their duty and I'll do mine. If it's not my duty, then Krishna will sort it out. It's not for me. Paradharma Payava. Hare Krishna. So my question is regarding chanting. Uh, when I started to chant, actually I was still married and my husband didn't want to hear name Krishna at all. So uh, it was so devotees show me how to chant on fingers. And then I was chanting, uh, just moving the, 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 the tongue not the, with the open mouth. So I was doing that chanting for five years. And then uh, now um, I'm still 
very attached to that kind of chanting because uh, so I'm quiet uh, a lot of rounds I'm quiet so I'm trying to do that out loud but somehow I became attached to that kind of chanting because that became like the part of a habit I don't know and also gave me opportunity to go like deeper in my heart when I'm not speaking out loud so then Namarupa uh, was with me and she started to do that also once so then I was thinking maybe it's good to ask what about that and should I change that completely or not mm -hmm. yeah um. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was chanting out loud that and he's basically the person who is establishing the way we are practicing our Krishna consciousness. Um, the advantage of chanting out loud is um, in our personal practice is that the ear is also involved with hearing. It's not only happening in the mind, but the ear forces the mind to uh, to be attentive. So there's an extra element in the picture. That's from a perspective of personal practice. Another aspect is that if we chant out loud, there are all these living beings. Right? There's living beings everywhere. There's all the all these jivas. How many jivas are in this place? There's unlimited living entities here. And all these living entities, they also get benefit from the chanting. So we also chant loud so that we are compassionate to those other living beings. So loud chanting is preferred. And uh, okay, it doesn't mean we have to scream. Uh, we can speak softly, but there should be, should be a sound should not just be in the mind. This, this. It may seem that we are deeper, but um, not necessarily so. Uh, um, what we experience as deep as this point may actually still be very shallow if we compare it to real deep spiritual emotions. Um, it's like so now we have the candles out on the altar and when we sit in front of the candles then suddenly it creates that Christmas feeling and suddenly so much devotion towards the deities come out and I really love to chant in front of the altar with the candles, right? Uh, but that's not really deep spiritual love for Krishna. That's just candlelit uh, kind of Christmas uh, uh, love for Krishna. Uh, so in the same way, we we may feel that we're going deep, but we're not really going going so deep. Um, but by taking shelter of the way that Lord Chaitanya did it and fighting our our mind that is attached to a particular way and just aligning with Him, it's there where we go deep. And the disaligning with with Lord Chaitanya, with Prabhupada, with the Acharyas, that's the. Uh, that's really the key to going really deep. So, and that's what Prabhupada did. Right? That's the amazing thing about about Srila Prabhupada, how he's just seems to have switched off this inner resistance, you know, that all of us seem to have. You know, like 
Uh, do we have to do this? Uh, it's like so many times, this inner resistance. And it's almost like Prabhupada didn't head it. He just followed everything, just embraced it completely. So, yeah, loud chanting. But not too loud. <laughs> oh, God. And some you have these people that chant so loud that you have to <laughs> that, that's so we had a god brother Mahapurusha Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh god and then all the terrible pronunciations oh ay 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 Kare Krishna Kare Krishna <laughs> oh <laughs> in the car behind me, in the car seat behind me. So after two hours, right, or after one and a half, I don't know. So for one and a half hours, Hare Krishna Krishna, rub, 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 rub. I asked him very politely, Prabhu, do you have another tune? <laughs> Couldn't take it anymore. This is too much. Actually, Maharaj, uh, because I was practicing this meditation before yeah. uh, this uh, practice of bhakti yoga for many years, yeah. I was attached to meditation. So when I start to chant, I just go into that meditation stage because how to get rid of that, you know, like that is actually Mayavadi transcendental meditation that I was very long into mm -hmm. it. So th this transfer is still going on, like from... <laughs> One part to another. Yeah, well, we can engage such things, you know, like the, their, their meditation techniques are not all bad. They just were not uh, directed towards the proper, uh, proper objective, the Supreme Lord. No, so if it's directed towards the Supreme Lord, it's okay. But we should also hear and chant. Meditation is also there, um, but we hear. Attentive chanting means to hear oneself chanting. That's what Prabhupada emphasized. It's more important than in the mind, Krishna, fix that mind, Krishna. Hear oneself chanting. Can I ask a question to uh, Jayadvita Maharaj? Is it okay? Is it a question? That is a question from yesterday uh, when we were reading Krishna book and then uh, you were analyzing after that and then you came to the point how actually you started to compare how uh, the Brahmana's wives, they went away, they go back home, but the gopis, they didn't. So I was questioning myself uh, why there is a difference, because they also came to Krishna to give the, him love, well, like a I, gopis. Just not to cut you off, but let me cut you off. Um, <laughs> I answered that to some extent yesterday. To give you a more extensive answer, I'd want to look at the commentaries and see what the acharyas say about that. Okay.
Hare Krishna. A few weeks back, you also spoke about Balaram. And I've been wondering what's relationship between Balaram and Srimati Radharani. Prabhupada blasted someone for asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Um, so we read, we know that the first offense to the holy names is to not blaspheme the Vaishnava devotees of the Lord. And we read pastimes like Sati Dev, who gave up her life because her father blasphemed a devotee. And also, um, um, Dravasa Muni was chastised for, um, offending Ambarish Maharaj. So my question is, in a small devotee community, if the congregation is, um, if like emotional abuse or different types of abuses is, is happening and there's, um, devotees cheating on their spouses, um, what should a devotee care person do and what should the management do in such a situation? Yeah, so there are two questions. There's blasphemy of devotees going on. So what should one do and what should the management do? Is that the question? Yeah, what should devotee care team do and the management team? When there's blasphemy, there are different strategies you can use apart from cutting out the tongue of the blasphemer. <laughs> You can you can leave. You just walk out. I've I've done that. There was a public forum, and one of our leaders was blaspheming a, a very senior Vaishnav. I just walked out. You know, I'm I, I can't can't sit here and listen to this. So that's one thing you can do. You just walk out. Um, assuming it's not something of that magnitude, you can you can change the subject. Uh, you know, we were reading in Nectar of Devotion yesterday that Krishna has, da -da 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 -da. you know, they want to talk about what they want to talk about, you want to talk about what you want to talk about. And if they have a little sensitivity, they may kind of get it that this person doesn't want to hear my blasphemy. But in any case, you've changed the subject. Another way is just to say, Prabhu, my ears can't take it. Um, there was it uh, one of the Goshamis, Gopal Raghunath Bhatta Goshami, I think, just wouldn't hear blasphemy of Vaishnavas. If someone has started to criticize, you know, even criticism of Vaishnavas, wouldn't hear. He just said, All I know is that all the devotees are engaged in the service of the Lord. You know, so that's another thing. You can just use his answer. That's all I know. The. Let me think if there's other things. Start Kirtan. <laughs> yeah, those are some thoughts. Make new friends. <laughs> yeah, you can be we can be picky about our association. 
not that we, if we see that someone is, they always want to engage me in, in uh, political guitar and, and criticizing other devotees and so on. And maybe it's not the best association for me. I'll find other other devotees to spend my time with. That's that's also there. As so, far as hmm? you no, know, I just want to know: like, should a manager then not do something in a situation where he sees there is emotional abuse or you know people cheating on each other and and stuff like that? Should, what should, should the managers do something when they see there's emotional abuse? Well, one thing is this: there's this very charged and very vague term, emotional abuse. You know, what is emotional abuse? It's, it's quite, it can be anything from, from here to there. I'm not quite sure where, where its borders are. But, uh, and, and yeah, so that's one thing. And the other thing is managers have limited capability. You know, can they manage all the relationships between devotees and and how they, what tone of voice they use toward one another? You know, there's a limit to it to which, you know, they've got to pay the bills and, and see that the deity worship is done. You know, how much bandwidth do they have for managing emotional uh, unfavorable emotional exchanges between devotees they may it's just may maybe beyond their their what we can reasonably expect them to intervene with they're not the they're not everyone's psychiatrist and and um, buffer and everything else if there's something major and terrible that's different We've we've seen instances where it's major and terrible, where where someone is really abusing the devotee community badly, and at that point, the manager may be reasonably expected to step in, especially if you ask them, you know, this is the problem. Hare Krishna. There's a he has broadcast. Just there's the internet, my friend. So where the wherever the mic Just goes, if that's you where so we loud, go. Just so you call for the mic. Yeah, I can try that. <laughs> can I ask? You got the mic. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, Ali Krishna Maharaj. So my question is related to the sixty-four qualities mentioned just now by you, Maharaj. One was no egotism. So, as you said, Maharaj, that we humans also have some bit of these qualities in us. But we see that the ego is uh, one negative quality in us. That is the root cause of differences amongst us. Especially, I am seeing among the God sisters, God brothers also, they get in some uh, little differences amongst them. They stop talking and on. So, because we are part and parcel of Krishna, then how, from where did this ego quality come in us? Um, Thank you. We're speaking about the false ego. That's what you're mentioning. And this false ego is when we start to, um, it's described as ahammameti, where we are uh, seeing the body as the self, and we start to think about things related to the body as ours. And then we compete with each other over, over all these things, ahammameti. So, 
Um, then that competitive spirit comes in in the way and uh, and begins to overshadow all these other qualities. Avritam jnanam etena yoginam nichevairena kamarupena kunteya dusparena nalena cha. It says that when we desire to enjoy things for ourselves, then we become covered. Um, so that is the problem. So the uh, qualities that of Krishna um, will only develop in a devotee who is very humble and who has no personal agenda, who has no other interest than the interest of Krishna. Such a devotee who is like completely a servant of Krishna becomes transparent to Krishna and the qualities of Krishna begin to become more and more manifest in such a devotee. So we are, are new in, and therefore we understand that between uh, in, in the devotee community, between new devotees, there are differences like that. Um, we see, we bring a little bit of uh, false ego in our hand luggage and so on. And we don't make a big thing about it. We just tolerate it because we see, ah, devotees are in the process of devotional service. It is said just as the firewood is in the, in the fire, we're not going to analyze the quality of the wood and say, oh, look at this wood, cracked, it's got holes, oh, oh, oh. So all these devotees are cracked, oh, oh, oh. They all have so many holes. No, because they're in the fire of bhakti. And all the, that wood will burn to ashes. So that's more important, see? Yes, the devotees have some of these false ego qualities, but they're all engaging in devotional service. See how nice. They're all getting up. They're all coming to Mongolartic in this ice-cold weather. They're all kirtan. They're all there for prasadam. <laughs> Every time, it's transcendental. So how nice. They'll be purified. And one day, yes, these little, these little differences coming forth of some false ego, they'll, they'll all disappear, for sure. Like this, we can see and be patient and wait till the devotees become more mature, and we also. That's a good answer to your emotional abuse question also. Not that the managers have to manage. You manage it. You know, and there's abuse. We manage, tolerate, forbearance. That's one of Krishna's qualities. And appreciate the devotees, chant Hare Krishna. Not that somebody, it's, it's the environment. It's not that the ISKCON management has to manage the whole environment. The environment's going to be there. So let me adjust. Let me be Krishna conscious. Let me. Yeah, many of the social issues um, were in the past in management not so much considered. Okay? And, uh, and then if you want to put them all back to the managers, then uh, that will not work. Um, it's, these are more community things. It's the community that also has to play a role in in balancing out other uh, other 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 people's behavior and and so on. And um, Prabhupada got a letter. I received your letter 
full of problems. Similarly, I've received another letter from such and such, full of problems, and another letter from this person, full of problems. If I go on receiving these letters, who will solve my problems? <laughs> Hare Krishna Maharaj. Here. My question is about tolerance. Um, I mean, that's what we're supposed to develop in us when we're trying to be Vaishnavas. But it is also a very difficult quality to develop because personally, we're not very tolerant. So uh, I want to know that if practicing being tolerant, whether when from inside we really feel the rage, will we still get to a level of being tolerant? Like by just practicing it. This one yours from mine. That's yours. Are <laughs> you judging, Maharaj? I was switched off. Okay, so sometimes tolerance is difficult. And if we do what, then what? <laughs> I had the same problem. <laughs> In was that if we still show on the outside that be, no, your, your microphone's too far away from okay. your lips. If we show on the outside that we're still being tolerant, but from inside we are not. But I mean, will we still get to a level of being tolerant? Well, that that's already a level of being tolerant. I'm boiling inside, but I'm not saying anything. <laughs> But am I, are we really being true to ourselves? Like, we're, mm -hmm. not, we're not really being true to ourselves. We're not being true to our... Well, that's good. We're not supposed to be true to ourselves. <laughs> that's what self-control is about. The, the, the self that is the mind and all of that wants, you know, wants to punch someone out. And we say, well, no, we're not going to do that. So I'm not being true to the mind, that self, but that's good. We're not supposed to be. Some people in the front want a microphone. Okay. Thank you. Because <laughs> they're not giving it back. <laughs> After you, it should come to the front. Okay, Maharaj. Um, Maharaj, my question is in relation to Japa. And uh, we have uh, Prabhupada's Japa tape. And some devotees say we should or we can chant with the ta tape and some are, are not uh, for it. So what is your opinion about that? Well, we should turn up the Japa tape so loud that everyone has to hear it and no one can hear himself chanting. I think, <laughs> I think that's, that's really the best policy. Yeah? Blast ourselves with the Japa tape. Um, um, I would, it, go ahead. It's useful for people who have difficulty concentrating to, to gently play the Japa tape in the background. I don't think it should be an, an, an institutionally imposed thing okay, where the Japa tape has to play in the temple. And, um, I think that's, uh, that's not good management. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that's a form of abuse. Uh, <laughs> and, I'm bring, and since we don't want to bring everything to the, man, to the, to the management, I'm bringing this to the community. <laughs> you know, I really feel abused when 
I'm forced to chair with a japa tape myself. But I give you one example. I have one disciple who is stuttering and who really who who came 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 to 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 me with this desire to be initiated and you know and who can and and who stutters when chanting so it's like for this person chanting 16 rounds is something right? i mean really, for us it's already something but for this person it's really an incredible struggle and the japa tape helps a lot yeah so this devotee always plays the japa tape and i say play that japa tape <laughs> wherever you go get that japa tape in other words, whatever helps to, to fix the mind on Krishna. Um, but these institutional uh, rituals, eh, we have many. We have many. I, I really don't think that, that we should uh, let it go that far. You know, the Jabba tape must be played. Otherwise, we can't chant without the Jabba tape. God. Then one day there's no electricity. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, can't chant. <laughs> so, maybe I have a, not. I have a quote. No, the same word. I, I thought you were finished. So I'm finished. I'm finished. I have a quotation for you. The. This is from Yadubara Prabhu. He was speaking at the Govardhan retreat some couple years back. And he told the following incident, which was told to him by one of our god sisters. I've forgotten which god sister. She's in Texas, if I remember. And the god sister told him, that when the Japa tape was first produced, because we went for years without a Japa tape, there was no such thing. And Prabhupada never told us, by the way, you should make a tape and you should play it and all of that. But um, when it first came out, she said, oh, Prabhupada, it's so nice that now we have this Japa tape and we can um, hear you chanting Japa while we're chanting. Prabhupada said, oh, that is not good. He said, you should hear yourself chant. Mm -hmm. You like that quote, right? Useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, you should hear yourself chant. And part of the problem is, is that people are trained to, to use the Japa tape, right? You, you come into the temple and your bhakta leader, you know, says, okay, we're all going to sit and we're going to put on the Japa tape. And, and people are systematically trained to, to think that this is Japa, that you, you, you pull out the tape of Prabhupada and, and you concentrate. And I don't even, I can't figure out how to do it even, how you, how you chant and, and hear. I, I can do when everybody else is chanting because I just tune the rest of you people out. But when Prabhupada's chanting, what am I? Am I hearing? Am I listening attentively to him chanting? Am I, or am I trying to tune him out also? What you know? What is the practice here? What is the? What's the philosophy behind it? What's the? What's the idea? 
So Prabhupada said, oh, that is not good. You should hear yourself chant. Hare Krishna. Um, I have a few queries. I think someone was asking about offenses. Um, so that triggered some questions in my mind. Um, the first one is like, I've been in situations sometimes where someone is like either blaspheming or saying something or even just even just saying something that necessarily maybe I didn't agree with, but they're senior to me. So like, how do you deal with this? Um, because you were giving the example, Maharaj, of um, Raghunath Bhatta Goswami, was it that he doesn't tolerate? What's that? Whichever Goswami. Whichever, yeah. But um, yeah, like how, what's the respectful and correct thing to do here? Now you're asking me. Either. <laughs> I, I, I gave like five or six different alternatives. It's like, what if the person's senior? If the person's senior, yeah. Should you say something or? It depends. You, again, the same strategies are, are, are available to you. Maybe not all of them. You can leave. You can, you know, I have to see a man about a dog. I'm saying. <laughs> you can change the subject. Uh, you can request, you know, Prabhu, um, you know, with all due respect, I, I can't hear it. Mm. Okay, that's that's clear. Um, yeah, what about... The, the Krishna Bhajanamrita of Narahari Sharkar says that in when a senior devotee is, is behaving in a way that's not appropriate, a junior is authorized to say something, but must say it respectfully. You know, that's all. But you, you, you are allowed to speak up. Yeah. That's interesting. And um, it's also said that, like, if you make offense to Krishna, then that's sort of one of the biggest things you could put, you know, as an obstacle in your path to bhakti. And if you make an offense to a Vaishnava, then you have to seek forgiveness. It's not that Krishna can just help you. Like, let's say if you make an offense to Krishna, maybe he'll forgive you from if you pray but um what if like a devotee doesn't forgive you or what if you unknowingly offend a devotee does that how does that um affect your spiritual life is it such a big deal or yeah what are the dynamics even if we unknowingly offend devotees it, it has an, uh, an effect on us yeah. And we see in the, in the Chaitanya Bhagavata description of Jagai and Madai, we're raising that point. We, have, we were drunk, we unknowingly offended so many people, how can we ask them all for forgiveness? And they were engaged in making a bathing god at the Ganga, and any pilgrim that would come there to take bath at the Ganga, they would wash their feet just to sort of uh, purify themselves. So in the course of chanting, we become purified, uh, from from such offenses unknowingly performed, but we should try to change our attitude. Okay? We should just basically uh, become respectful to the Vaishnavas. I mean, obviously these offenses are, you know, we don't live on the border of the offense, right? You know, sort of like uh, walking around and ready to snap at anyone. You knucklehead, you idiot, you this, you that. You know, uh, no, we try and, and, and be respectful to everyone. <coughs> then we can uh, also the accidental uh, criticism, blasphemy, maybe more easily avoided.
It is it over one thirty. So our time's up. If yeah, it's a good time to sort of uh, stop. I hope it was okay here in the apartment. It is a little more close, uh, but it's also a lot more intimate in a way. That hall is a bit sterile, gets yeah. <laughs> a different mood, and uh, it's it's convenient for me under the circumstances. Uh, yeah, so for now we'll keep it here. So don't invite the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep it as it is. If you invite someone, you'll have to take that person on your lap next time. <laughs> That's management. <yeah. laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. <laughs> Yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs>